Welcome back, everyone, to episode three of Basement Ballin', all about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm going to throw it over to a couple of the boys who I'm metaphorically flanked by at the moment. How's it going, Scott? It's going good. What does metaphorically flank mean? Well, you see, I'm only metaphorically flanked because we're socially distant. Scott, we're in a pandemic. Gosh. <laughs> You're so inconsiderate. Well, no, we're doing better than socially distanced because you're thousands of miles away from us. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. On my other metaphorical flank, we have Nick. How's it going, Nick? Boys, this should be a fun discussion. The debates about the Hall of Fame are always fun. We have them on our own. Now it's time to bring them to the people. I think we should have some fun, engaging conversations yep, here. and that's what we're here for. Bring the news to the people. Well, I'm going to start us off here, and I'm going to let everybody know. We have this discussion broken up into four distinct parts. The first part, quarterbacks. Second part, non-quarterback offensive players. Third part, defensive players. And fourth part, special teamers. I'm going to tee us up for the quarterback room, and we're going to get started. I am going to tell you the story of three different guys. Guy number one, 12th all-time in QBR. Guy number two, 13th all-time in QBR. Guy number three, tied 50th all-time in QBR. All right? Guy number one, 134 and 106 all-time record. Guy number two, 113, 92 record. Guy number three, 117 and 117 record. Now, do either of y'all know who guy number one is, who guy number two is, and guy number three is? Well, I think we all know who guy number three is. The most perfectly average quarterback ever. That's the young mm -hmm. Elijah Manning. Mm -hmm. I love Manning. Manning face just... <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But the other two, it's a little more interesting, isn't it? I think the only thing that gives away who guy number one and guy number two is, is the amount of games there, in that they're both very similar guys. Guy number one happens to be Philip Rivers, and guy number two happens to be one, Matty Ice. Now, I thought it would be really interesting to discuss these three guys for the uh, you know, main reason, actually, the main reason I think it would be important to discuss these three guys is how comparable they really are. In that, Philip Rivers, to a lot of people, it seems to me, is the last guy into the Hall of Fame. Matt Ryan, on the other hand, to a lot of people, is kind of that first guy out of the Hall of Fame. Whereas to a lot of people, I think Eli Manning is a shoo-in, no-doubt Hall of Famer. Do y'all agree, disagree with that statement? Feel like I'm off there? Yeah, so I guess I guess let me start with Matt Ryan, of course, as the Falcon homer of the group. Matt Ryan, so Pro Football Focus has a stat called approximate value. It's very similar to like a wins above replacement, but it spans over an entire career. Matt Ryan is ranked by Pro Football mm -hmm. Focus 22nd all time. He's top 10 in yards. He's top 10 in touchdowns. He's got the most passing yards in his first 13 seasons in NFL history. He passed Peyton Manning recently. And the most comparable career for him is Dan Marino. Obviously, the thing Matt Ryan and Dan Marino both don't have is the Super ring. I think to me, and again, slightly biased opinion, to me, Matt Ryan's a Hall of Famer, especially with the fact that he's got a couple more years left to add on to his stats and continue to build a bigger resume for the Hall of Fame. I have Matt Ryan in, again, slightly biased, but for me, Matt Ryan's in. Eli, again, mm -hmm. I know I know your opinion on Eli. Eli's the most interesting one, and I'm curious to hear, Scott, as the Eli Manning rival guy, what you think about Eli Manning and his Hall of Fame chance. I'll, well, I'll start by talking about Rivers and Ryan, because those are two 
quarterbacks that in my head have always been kind of linked. As Dakota mentioned, that's kind of been my opinion that I saw Rivers as the guy who was sitting on the fence and kind of falling into the Hall of Fame and Ryan kind of going the other way. I thought that because of the eye test. When I watched both of those two mm-hmm. quarterbacks play, I saw Rivers as a Hall of Fame quarterback and I saw Matt Ryan as a very good quarterback, but someone who I thought would fall back. And then, but when you go deeper into the statistics, they kind of mesh up. Matt Ryan has, of course, that MVP season in 2016, even though mm-hmm. that something happened in the Super Bowl that I know Nick would rather not talk about. God, don't don't talk about that. We don't <laughs> talk about that. God. But Matt Ryan has the higher superlative of the two. He has an NFL MVP award. Philip Rivers never got that. But mm-hmm. I saw Philip Rivers as the quarterback model of consistency for almost 15 years. Always a good Pro Bowl level quarterback. Always put the Chargers in positions to win. Now, the Chargers often put themselves in positions to lose just because they are the San Diego Chargers. Mm-hmm. As I know Dakota knows this, I don't know if well, they were knows. the San Diego Chargers. Yeah, they, they were the San Diego Chargers. Now they're the LA Superchargers. When Philip Rivers was on the team, they were the San Diego <laughs> that's Chargers. A, that's a fair Even point. That is a very fair point. Anyway, I know Dakota <laughs> knows this statistic. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if Nick knows this statistic. In the 2007 season, the San Diego Chargers had the number one statistical offense and the number one statistical defense, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they missed the playoffs. They are the only team in NFL history <laughs> to have both the number one offense and defense and missed the playoffs. They missed it because they had such god-awful special teams. Mm-hmm. And, and that stat is one of the main reasons why we have a whole special teams section in this podcast. Very true. But that team was Philip Rivers' best shot at winning a Super Bowl and locking up his status as a Hall of Famer. And because of his front office's ineptitude and forgetting to even think about special teams, he never even made the playoffs to have that opportunity. So I think... Mm -hmm. So that's what I have to say about Philip Rivers. Matt Ryan, he's always looked like a good quarterback to me. The superlatives speak for themselves. The statistics speak for themselves. And that's kind of why I think both Rivers... Mm -hmm. I think now that both Rivers and Ryan... I would put in Eli Manning is a special case. There's only one reason he should be in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and that's because he has the two Super Bowl rings. Now, there is mm-hmm. a comparable person to Eli Manning who has won two Super Bowls as a starting quarterback and is not in the Hall of Fame. Can you can either of you two is name Ken him? Stabler in the Hall of Fame? No, but he didn't win two Super Bowls. He only won one. How, how old are we talking? You're close. It's 80s. It's 70s and 80s. Dakota's closer than he thinks. Mm. I think you're just going yeah, to have to give it to me. Yeah, you got to give it to us. And that would be former Heisman Trophy winner Jim Plunkett. One that, two see, Super that's Bowls. the name I had on the tip of the tongue after you said he's close on stable. Two Super Bowls with the Raiders, but is sitting on the outside looking in. He is your closest mm-hmm. comp to Eli Manning. However, Eli Manning is a more accomplished quarterback during the regular season. Clearly not Hall of Fame caliber during the regular season, but with two Super Bowl rings and an average regular season career, he may have that case. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say yet because we'll talk about that later in the podcast, what my whether I would put him in or not, but he has a case because... Mm -hmm. I would like to jump in here and just give a little bit of my case to the contrary. My problem with Eli Manning is that at no point in Eli Manning's entire career is he considered a top five quarterback. Not even for a season, not even for a moment, is he ever considered a top five quarterback. And he only had two or three where he's arguably top 10 to me. Now, that may be a little bit biased due to the fact that I am a Dallas Cowboys fan, but also that gives me a little more insight into the situation as well. 
well. Now, when you're playing against a Hall of Fame quarterback, let's take Aaron Rodgers, for example. When Aaron Rodgers comes to Dallas, my first thought is, oh, damn, this sucks. How are we going to stop Aaron Rodgers, right? When Eli Manning came to Dallas, y'all want to know what my first thought always was and always has been? I think I can make a fair point as an Eagles fan that I had the exact same mm-hmm. thought. It's, yes, Eli Manning's going to throw us three interceptions. All we got to do is catch him and we have a guaranteed win. That was pretty much how I felt as an Eagles fan. I believe in their last 32 games between the Eagles and the Eagles and the and the New York Giants, the Giants are 10 and 22. Mm-hmm. Man. If you do that against your one of your biggest rivals, should you be in the Hall of no. Fame? No, and that's the point that I'm trying to make here, is that if you're the 50th all-time quarterback, that means that ancient players that can't even use QBR as an accurate stat to tell how good they are because of how different the game is now are still ranked above you by most modern statistical measures. The fact that he's only 117, 117, and 0 all-time, perfectly 500, and made the playoffs six times. I want to ask y'all a question. Out of those six playoff appearances and how many of them did he win a single playoff game two yeah i'll say two the two, two that he won two. every other year besides those two seasons which albeit were magical and are the reason he will be in the hall of fame because they were able to inextricably link him to the goat aside from those two seasons he is not even in the conversation for hall of fame he's not even in the conversation for new york giants hall of fame <sighs> Oh, he was just straight up solid for his entire career, except for arguably two games. Like he is not special, has never been special. He was a number one overall draft pick. So I don't know if you can say he was never special. That's fair. He was a never a special NFL player. So we already mentioned Eli's got two Super Bowls. Also, we failed to mention Eli has two Super Bowl MVPs. Eli's seventh in passing mm-hmm. yards, eighth in touchdowns all time. And to me, the key one, he's got 57,000 passing yards in his career. Every quarterback that's ever thrown for 50,000 yards is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. To me, to look at Eli and say, oh, you you reached a benchmark that everybody who's reached that benchmark in the Hall of Fame. And to say, you know what? Nah, you're not in. Two Super Bowls, two MVPs, two Bowl MVPs. Mm-hmm. You know, top 10 passing yard TDs. Nah, you don't get in. That feels like a major, major issue to me. I don't think Eli's first ballot by any chance, but to say he's not a Hall of Famer to me is... If all you look at are the counting numbers and not the efficiency numbers, he looks like a Hall of Famer clearly, right? The problem I have with Eli Manning is, does he get an extra benefit for playing badly for a long time? No, but he gets the extra benefit for winning two Super Bowls. Absolutely. And he deserves those. And I don't want to take that away from him. And again, that's why he will be in the Hall of Fame. I would very much like to take away those two Super Bowls from him. (laughs) (laughs) Not because he didn't deserve them, but Mm -hmm. just because... I don't like the Giants. Side note, if we take away those two Super Bowls, Tom I mean, Brady might be the greatest team sport athlete of all time. <laughs> like, I think he is the greatest team sport athlete of all time, but that's neither here nor there today. Side note, he already is. That's a discussion for we'll a different talk podcast. About that later. <laughs> but I think that I've said my piece on Eli. I want to wrap back around to Rivers versus Ryan. Were either of y'all as astounded as I was while doing research how similar these two guys are? 
So, I said, I've always known they are very similar. I think the river stats stood out much more to me. Obviously, I know the Matt Ryan stats, watching him for all these years. Mm-hmm. But the Philip River stats to me stand out far beyond anything I thought. He's top five in both passing yards and TDs all time. No Super Bowls, mm-hmm. no MVPs. He only has one first team all pro. But the thing that stood out to me was mm-hmm. he has 12 4,000-yard passing seasons. To put that in perspective, Scott, sorry for the ricochet shot here. The Eagles only have one 4,000-yard passer ever. And Phillip Rivers, <laughs> Phillip Rivers has 12 4,000-yard seasons on his own. Like, that's... I know the no Super Bowls, no MVPs, that whole thing. But the stats are there. And you guys I mentioned... I can always forgive Phillip Rivers because he was in a conference with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady his entire He career. had to fight through pretty much the titans of football during his prime, which... Again, gives him an excuse. And you guys mentioned the fact that number one offense and number one defense in one season, and they couldn't make the playoffs. I think we all are in agreement that Phillip Rivers gets a pass for things outside of his control. Fair point, fair but point. But going back, I wanted to note the fact that Phillip Rivers made an all-pro team at all in his prime when his prime was at the same time as Peyton Manning's prime and Tom Brady's prime is astounding, right? At least Matt Ryan had the benefit of, for most of his career, just competing with Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, who would have on and off seasons. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning never really had on and off seasons. Their off seasons were incredible. Now, the one benefit of Ryan over Rivers, which... I've never heard anybody make an argument. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Dakota, 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 Dakota. What's I just wanted to make a, a additional point. Not only was Philip Rivers competing against Brady and Manning, he was also competing against Roethlisberger, who is a guaranteed Hall of Fame. Absolutely. So he was competing against three guaranteed Hall of Famers, all of whom won Super Bowls. Not only did it get to the Super Bowl, just to get to the conference finals. So I completely understand mm-hmm. where... San Diego just fell short a lot of times because you're competing with teams that are ridiculous. No, Phillip Rivers gets the full... Mm -hmm. We don't like to give anybody excuses as to why they couldn't win. Phillip Rivers has earned many, many excuses. He's got an incompetent front office. He's had some rather weird coaching situations, and he's had to go through the absolute gauntlet of starting quarterbacks. Phillip Rivers has earned every excuse he gets. The numbers back him up. I mean, Dakota, you talked about how similar Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers is, or Rivers... Matt Ryan and Philip Rivers are, but I think I think Rivers' numbers back mm-hmm. it up and how good his career I'm is. I'm just truly astounded that Rivers has such an understated career when put into context in the history of football, and it's not his fault at all. And I don't think anyone that knows football would ever put Philip Rivers' career on Philip Rivers. Because everything that's in his control, other than playoff wins, and even then, you can make a very solid argument that playoff wins are not the quarterback's fault every time. Other than that, every single thing that is in his control, he has done at a Hall of Fame level in another decade, in another time period. He could have theoretically worked himself into GOAT status with a better run organization. Hell, he doesn't even get respect in his own draft class half the time. Mm. He had a tough break. <laughs> he got a really tough yeah. break. Feel bad for the man. Don't feel too bad. He'll probably get in the hall. You guys want to kick it over to the non-quarterback section? I think that we've set our piece on the quarterbacks, and so I'm going to throw it over to Scott to talk about the non-quarterback offensive players. Scott, take it away. You will see a theme in the guys that I kind of talk about just because they are all Eagles. Not because I felt that it was important to me to talk about Eagles, just because there are a lot of Eagles who I see as edge cases. The first one I'm going to bring up as Mm -hmm. a case is an offensive line 
lineman who for the past decade has been one of the rocks on the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line. He is a four-time pro bowler and a three-time first-team all-pro. Hey, Scott, does his brother play for the Kansas City Chiefs? He absolutely does. This man, Jason Kelsey, Mm -hmm. center for the Philadelphia Eagles, has played 10 seasons for the Eagles as a starter. As a fifth-round draft pick, immediately earned a starting job at center and has gone out and has been the rock of the Eagles offensive line. The Eagles have relied on him since the day he got there, has held down the center position immaculately, four Pro Bowls, three first-team All-Pros, somehow was snubbed for the All-Decade team. However, I firmly believe mm-hmm. that he should have been on that team. I believe it was Alex Mack and Marquise Pouncey who sh- who were named the team. I firmly believe that Jason Kelsey would have been a better choice than Alex Mack. I believe that mm-hmm. Jason Kelsey, right now, because of his achievements on the field, because of his accolades, and... I would say primarily because of his the Super Bowl ring. I give a lot of credit to that offensive line as an Eagles fan. I think they were the key to that Super Bowl. I think Jason Kelsey was the heart of that line. And I think just because of that, along with his accolades, I believe Jason Kelsey's a firm Hall of Famer. I would vote for him first ballot, but I don't think he would get in on the first ballot. I also think he's going to have to play mm-hmm. a couple more seasons just to keep getting those Pro Bowl bids, just to keep those. But if he gets to a point where he's got six Pro Bowls and three first-team All-Pros, I think he should be a lock and all. I think that you've made some good points there, Scott. I think the thing that keeps him from being a first ballot Hall of Famer is going to be that he was probably the third best offensive lineman on that Eagles Super Bowl team, at least in my eyes. And I know that you may think to the contrary as he was kind of the leader of that team. But to me, Lane Johnson was the best player on that offensive line, right? He was the best right tackle in the NFL at that point. And then you also have Hall of Fame guaranteed first ballot left tackle who I believe he got hurt got hurt in week seven so he didn't play the majority of that season. but he was still on that team and is a bigger name that will kind of soak up that star power that you need to build as a center to really make a hall of fame case I will say this for the first I would say Jason Kelsey right now probably deserves to have seven pro bowls just because it took it took him mm-hmm. five years to get that notoriety to get those pro bowl bits he probably deserved at least two or three earlier in his career when he didn't have the notoriety. Yeah, Scott, you brought up all the key points I had. Well, the one thing you didn't talk about, right? He has three, he's a three-time All-Pro. All those came while he was in his 30s. There have been two other centers who have done that, three All-Pros in their 30s. Both are already in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And, the all pros alone among Ooh. centers would have him basically in a class of, I think it's like three to five guys. I think he's no doubt mm-hmm. a Hall of Fame center. Is he first ballot? No. And I think that's not because of what he's done, but it's because of the idea of putting a center in as a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I think he's a Hall of Famer, no doubt. Mm-hmm. I think you brought up all the big points. The idea of position bias will be brought up again and again throughout this podcast, as is one of the points that I talk about in at least two more of the sections that I have. So... I'm glad you brought that up, Nick, to start us down that rabbit hole. Who else you have on tap? Here we go next is the Philadelphia Eagles all-time leading rusher, number one in my heart, LaShawn McCoy. Six-time Pro Bowler, Ooh. two-time first-team All-Pro. He was in a, he was a member of the All-Decade team for the 2010s. Has over 11,000 career rushing yards. 518 all-time receptions, nearly 4,000 yards receiving, 89 touchdowns between receiving and rushing. He was the 2011 NFL touchdown leader with 17 rushing touchdowns, and he was the 2013 Mm -hmm. rushing yardage. I do want to bring up a few things on him. I think he might be the kind of guy that benefits 
from the fact that we have senior committees and will get in as an older fellow. And I think the reason it will happen for him eventually is that all-decade team. As we've learned from this year, finally getting in Drew Pearson, that all-decade team means a lot to voters. Did LaShawn McCoy really deserve to be on an all-decade team? Honestly, I would argue no. He just happened to have a career that lined up perfectly with a decade, and that made it to where he was able to get that all-decade bid. He might be the worst running back on any all-decade team, but that doesn't diminish the fact that he had years of legitimate greatness. I'd go as far as to say definitely not enough to deserve being a first ballot Hall of Famer, but arguably enough to get in eventually. And that's something. Here's what I'll say, kind of. I agree that he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think anyone would make the argument that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. But just to go against your point, I think he would get voted and I don't think it would be a senior thing. Just because you look at Terrell Davis. Mm-hmm. He had three years where he was the best running back in football, but that was his entire career. Other than that, he was, he was mm-hmm. at best average and irrelevant running back. Sean McCoy was a six-time Pro Bowler, Eagles all-time rushing leader. The Eagles have had scores of great running backs, going all the way back to Steve Van Buren back in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. As an Eagles fan, using the eye test, he was by far the most talented running back I've ever seen on the Eagles. The only guy comparable... That is just false. That is just false. And I think you're going to say the comparable guy, but... Go the ahead. only guy close, I would say, is Brian Westbrook, who I think should get Hall of Fame... Who I think ha- Brian Westbrook should get Hall of Fame consideration... But the numbers aren't there, so I would not make that argument. Brian Westbrook's talent was amazing. And I think LeSean McCoy's talent was better, having watched both. I disagree. I firmly disagree. But go on. But LeSean McCoy was an electrifying running back for seven or eight seasons in Philadelphia. He was really, really good for a couple years in Buffalo, too, once he left Philadelphia. He got two Super Bowl rings at the end of his career without playing a snap in the Super Bowl. And I just want to say this to the Hall of Fame committee. Do not look at that when when you go through his Hall of Fame career. He did not earn those rings. Yes, he did. Rings are rings. Rings are rings. He's got two of them. Rings are rings. They count. <laughs> they absolutely count, but he did not play in those get in the Super Bowl at all. LaShawn McCoy, on the balance of the workload, the whole, if you look at his entire career overall, was he ever the best running back in the league? No, but LaShawn McCoy had a sustained peak of his career that was deserving of Hall of Fame induction. So, Scott, you mentioned Terrell Davis. I think that's the wrong comparison for LaShawn McCoy. The, the guy... Oh, I agree. I wouldn't call it a comp- comparison. It was just... The guy you should compare him to is Edger and James. So him and Edger and James, both around 12,000 rushing yards, both around uh, 3,600 receiving yards, both around four yards a carry. Edger and James, recent Hall of Fame inductee. If part of your argument is... Comparing the guys in the Hall of Fame, LaShawn McCoy's numbers are nearly identical to Edger and James. And I know you don't like his Super Bowls, but LaShawn McCoy's got two. If we're comparing him to Edger and James, who's in the Hall of Fame, two Super Bowls for LaShawn McCoy, an all-decade team like you mentioned, to me, that's the ticket. Mm. If you want to compare him to other guys in the Hall and whether his credentials stack up, that's the right guy to compare him to. And I think the numbers for LaShawn McCoy prove that he's, at worst, a very fringe Hall of Famer. At best, he's a Hall of Famer a couple years after his first time on the ballot. My question is, would he be the worst running back in the Hall of Fame? Um... I don't know. I'd have to look at the I have to look at the whole Hall of Fame class. I would have to look at the list. I would say no off the bat, but I also think it's it's so hard to compare eras. Scott brings up the point I was going to say. 
The issue is, if you look at Shady's numbers and you start comparing them back to guys in the 70s, the 60s, the no- it's near impossible to compare him back back prior decades. Okay, so. so I guess the better question is, would he be the worst modern era running back to make the Hall of Fame? And I think the answer is yes, and that's what makes it a discussion for him. I think he'll eventually get in off the back of that all-decade team. I think that's what will save him. But I think it will take him an agonizingly long amount of time. I think that's yeah. fair. I agree that he would he'll have to wait a bunch of years and we'll have the discussion every year as oh, is this the year LaShawn McCoy gets it? Oh, may, maybe this is the year he gets it. I think that is how McCoy McCoy will get in either toward the very end or one of those years that we have every so often where the class is mm-hmm. super yeah. weak. In a weak class, it, to me, in a strong class, he might not even make it through the first round of cuts. Now, does that really mean anything? Not really. And as time goes on, people remember guys a little more fondly. So maybe eventually he gets in. I think it's a discussion and it will be something that we're going to have to monitor for a long time as I find it very interesting. And I'm glad you brought it up, Scott. All right, moving on to my third guy here. I'm going to say it right now. I tend to think this guy's not a Hall of Famer. But if you look underneath the surface, it's, it's, it is an interesting case. And that is Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson didn't make an all-decade team, never made an all-pro team. However, he is a three-time pro bowler with 10,000 receiving yards, 56 receiving touchdowns, and four punt return touchdowns. All those Mm -hmm. clearly all very good. Mm -hmm. However, here is why I believe that Deshaun Jackson at least deserves discussion is because I believe that Deshaun Mm -hmm. Jackson is the greatest deep threat wide receiver in NFL history, statistically. I would tend to agree. He is the when he plays. <laughs> He's only been hurt recently. That's don't fault him for that. He is still a great deep threat receiver, by the way, as proven by his 75 yard catch against the Cowboys earlier this year. Was that his entire season stats, though? One catch, 75 Pretty yards, much. one touchdown? <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. <laughs> anyway, Deshaun Jackson is the all time leader in NFL history and receiving touchdowns over 60 yards. He has 26. He is mm-hmm. also second all-time in 50-plus yard receiving touchdowns. Who is number Jerry one? Jerry Rice. Absolutely. Jerry Rice, the greatest wide receiver of all time, is the only person Easy. better than Deshaun Jackson at this statistic. That is my entire case for why Deshaun Jackson reserves, deserves discussion. It is because he is the best deep threat wide receiver in NFL history at this point in I'm time. glad that you brought that up again, Scott, because I was about to be very upset at myself for not remembering how wrong that <laughs> sentence is. The best deep threat wide receiver of all time? How did I, Not only did you forget about Randy Moss, but I forgot about him for like 15 seconds and feel bad about it. Randy Moss is the best deep threat wide receiver of all time. Deshaun Jackson can begin that conversation as number two, but even then, you have guys that, you know, in different eras have a claim to it, but it's just so hard to compare guys across eras. I would throw Drew Pearson into the mix, of course, as the original hey, Mary recipient, but I don't think it's as clear cut and dry that he is the best deep threat wide receiver of all time. And I think the fact that you have to put that qualifier on him to make the case makes his case very weak. 
I would agree. Deshaun fits in the same category as someone that we're going to mention in a little bit. His peak was too short, and the outsides of his peak were not good enough. And that, to me, shows... I would not argue that I'm arguing that he is a Hall of Famer. I would argue that I'm that he deserves consideration. That's, a, that's fair. Is what that's, I'm that's fair, but even a little aggressive for me the more I think about it. But I'll take your word for it, Scott. I would say, worst case scenario, in five years, he will be considered the third best deep threat of all time. And that's if Tyreek Hill is at the peak that he Tyreek Hill has two more years of being Tyreek Hill and he becomes the best deep threat wide receiver of all time. Let's be real. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with I that. I think we've said our piece about Deshaun Jackson. I feel like, Nick, you might have a couple of guys to tee up for Yeah, us I just want to well. throw two more quick non-offensive quarterbacks or non-quarterback players. The first one is Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. So Marshawn Lynch has got an all-decade team. Very similar to LaShawn McCoy. Mm-hmm. 10,000 rushing yards. To me, the key with Marshawn Lynch is the postseason stats. So in terms of rushing yards, there are seven mm-hmm. guys ahead of him in rushing yards. All seven are in the Hall of Fame. Now, if you look mm-hmm. at Marshawn Lynch's career, right? Buffalo to Seattle. He retired for, what, a year or two and then came back to play. Mm-hmm. I think with Marshawn Lynch, that's where the Hall of Fame discussion really starts. Before he came back, he was under 10,000 yards and his resume was a little weak. Comes back, he passes the Mm -hmm. 10,000-yard plateau. All of a sudden, he's now in the discussion. I'm curious to hear what you guys say about Marshawn Lynch, if you have anything about him, and whether you think he's a Hall of Famer. I just got one thing to say about Marshawn Lynch, and it's he's a Hall of Famer. Now, he has the benefit of having enough stats, and although this may seem a little hypocritical with my hate of Eli Manning, he has the those special moments that make someone a Hall of Famer. For the same reason that Eli Manning will be in the Hall of Fame, Marshawn Lynch should be in the Hall of Fame. That run in the playoffs against the Saints for, I believe, 72 yards was one of the greatest feats of football ever. The fact that Marshawn Lynch is so intimately tied with a Super Bowl winning moment, that being the Malcolm Butler interception on a fourth and one play when you have arguably the best short yardage running back in NFL history, is something that will always stick out in people's minds and I think will stick out in Hall of Fame voters' minds and get Marshawn Yeah, you just hit the point that I was going to bring up is that he has the Super Bowl, right? And you can argue during that, like their Super Bowl run, he was arguably the best player. Obviously, Russell Wilson was was great, and that defense was stellar. But Russell Wilson became great over the course of that run. Marshawn Lynch was the reason that offense went. And you brought up the fact that you know the Malcolm Butler interception. If that's any other average running back, we don't talk about that play like we do. But because it was Marshawn Lynch mm-hmm. and how good he was, and heck, how good he is, that's that's why to me he has a Hall of Fame resume. The fact that we're talking about a play in which in a passing league we're talking about they didn't hand it off to a running back. So Marshawn Lynch has value beyond the stats and beyond the the eye test to me. Marshawn Lynch, I would say looking at the resume, the totality of the resume, may have been on the outside looking in for me, personally. However, knowing what I know about Marshawn Lynch, he was an icon. He's an icon for that team. He mm-hmm. was one of the stars of the league. He is a he has this mystique. Hall of Famer, undoubtedly. Hall of Famer because he has both a good enough resume and he was just he was a superstar outside of the league people who don't follow the NFL closely knew who Marshawn Lynch was just because he was kind of I'm just here so I don't get fined (laughs) 
All right, and the second guy I wanted to bring up, the last offensive guy we have, is Jimmy Graham. And anybody who saw the beginning of Jimmy Graham's career will tell you how dominant Jimmy Graham was to the point where he was the, I'll call mm-hmm. him the less agile Travis Kelsey. I don't know if that's 100% fair, mm-hmm. but when Jimmy Graham was on the field, you knew Jimmy Graham was getting the ball at least 60% of the time. So Jimmy Graham, mm-hmm. the problem with Jimmy Graham for me is what I mentioned with Deshaun Jackson. Jimmy Graham had a three-year period where he was arguably the mm-hmm. best pass-catching force in the league. And outside of that... I would argue he had a three-year period where he was the best pass-catching force ever. I remember watching Jimmy Graham, young Jimmy Graham, watching him get better over the course of each individual play and thinking, this guy's going to break football. He was the next evolution of Antonio Gates, the basketball player turned tight Mm -hmm. end. But the Jimmy Graham Hall of Fame resume falls off after that. So he had four seasons of 900 plus receiving yards out of his 11-year career so far. I I doubt he'll have a a thousand yard resurgence Mm -hmm. anytime soon. But or outside of those four 900 yard seasons, never reached above 850. And his whole career only has 8,000 receiving yards. So we're talking around Mm 3,600 receiving yards in four seasons. And the rest of that, we're talking, what what is that? 4,400? That's a very, very hard Mm -hmm. fall from grace. And I think (laughs) the other thing that goes against Jimmy Graham is how much new age tight ends have kind of made him look worse. Gronk came right after him and Gronk dominated. Then we got George Kittle. Then we got Travis Kelsey. And now tight ends are just becoming more dynamic to the point that when Jimmy Graham retires and the voters look at Jimmy Graham, they're going to say, oh, well, he's not Travis Kelsey. Oh, he's not Gronk. Heck, he's not He's not even what Darren mm-hmm. Waller's on pace to do. So I think for me, the Jimmy Graham Hall of Fame argument relies on the period outside of his peak. And that period is, is rough. Here's what I'll say about Jimmy Graham. Was there ever a time where you would say he was inarguably the best tight end in football. Yes. I would say no. I mean, there's always an argument. I would say no. I would say for the years that he was at his peak, Rob Gronkowski was also at his peak. They were drafted in the same class. Gronk was drafted in the second round. Graham was drafted Mm. in the third round. I would say their peaks matched up. I always thought that Jimmy Graham was the more talented player. Jimmy Graham did not have large enough of a peak. He never, I would say, never cemented himself as the number one tight end. He was only a a one-time first-team All-Pro. He made a second-team All-Pro during his second season. Mm -hmm. He led the league in touchdowns during 2013. He was a five-time pro bowler, but I would argue that he was never the best tight end in football. I would say that you don't put in players into the Hall of Fame unless they Mm -hmm. were at one time the best tight end in football at that position specifically. I don't think Jimmy Graham had a sustained peak enough to give him Hall of Fame consideration. Not to say he doesn't deserve Hall of Fame consideration, Mm -hmm. but I don't think he does. All right, so I want to dispute one thing. I do think that Jimmy Graham at his peak was better than Gronk at his peak, and that is from someone who I really believe Gronk is the greatest tight end of all time outside of Jason Witten. Gronk is better than Jason Witten. I don't know why you'd say that. Nobody brought up Jason Witten. Wink, but wink, nudge, now nudge. that you want to talk about Jason Witten, uh, just kidding, just kidding, guys, just kidding. Gronk is the greatest tight end of all time because he had a long sustainment of greatness. Jimmy Graham in the seasons that Jimmy Graham was, Jimmy Graham was better than Gronk. And maybe you can make an argument that Gronk was better as an all-around player because Gronk, without a doubt, was a monster blocker, whereas Jimmy Graham was distinctly below average. But anyone who was watching, and I really believe that, that just watched them run routes would say, these are probably the two best route-running tight ends ever. But Jimmy Graham had a special 
special level that even Gronk could never hit because Gronk's special routes, think about it. What is Gronk special for? What is the route that is most associated with Gronk? It's that seam. It's that route where you don't have to do anything special. You do a little shove to the side right off the line if somebody's pressing you and you run and you split those safeties. And that's what Gronk did. And Gronk has done that better than anyone else. Jimmy Graham, on the other hand, could run any route. Jimmy Graham had an air of athleticism that was untouchable in that little, I guess, two to three year period. That's all I would leave it off on. I don't think he had the sustained greatness to actually get in. Jimmy Graham's career took a downward spiral the second he got traded out of New Orleans. He went to Seattle, they made him a blocker, and that was the beginning of the end for Jimmy Graham. If he stayed in New Orleans, I think he's a no doubt about it, Hall of Famer. Now, since he, whoa, once he left New mm-hmm. Orleans, that was the end. You All right, right, guys, so I think we've said our piece on offensive non-quarterbacks as well as offensive quarterbacks. So let's move over to the defensive side of the ball, where I'm going to start us off with a little bit of a more classic player, and I'm going to be making the argument for Darren Woodson. Who? <laughs> oh, man. When I told my co-hosts that I wanted to talk about Darren Woodson, they gave me that response. Who? But I think he deserves to be in, and 2021 is the year the floodgates were finally opened for the conversation. So, context. 2021, who made the Hall of Fame? Another Woodson, right? Also, you want to know who made the Hall of Fame? John Lynch. Now, John Lynch, if you don't remember, played most of his career for the Tampa Bay team that won the Super Bowl, as well as the Broncos, okay? John Lynch made the Pro Bowl nine times, made three all pro teams. He played 14 years and he made the Hall of Fame in 2021. Let me compare that to Darren Woodson, all right? Darren Woodson, five Pro Bowls, but four first-team All-Pros, that being in 94, 95, 96, and 98. He also was a defensive rookie of the year candidate and made the rookie all-defensive team for the 90s Dallas Cowboys. So the reason I'm making a case for him is I truly believe he was the best player on those Cowboys teams. That team is, in my opinion, the greatest team ever constructed. Now, go with those 90, 96 Cowboys, 95, 96. I don't know. Have you ever seen the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles? <laughs> the 95, 96 Cowboys might be the greatest team ever constructed because of how good their offense was and how dominant their defense was. The offense gets so much notoriety, especially because of the triplets. But on that defensive side of the ball, several guys do get notoriety and a lot of them are already in the Hall of Fame. But I truly think it's a travesty that Darren Woodson is not in. Darren Woodson, mind you, has what I like to call the Dirk Nowitzki argument for GOAT safety, all right? Darren Woodson revolutionized the safety position in the NFL. Darren Woodson was arguably the first guy to be a dominant safety slash slot corner who would come down, challenge wide receivers, and also be able to play that free safety position. When we watch football, we take for granted that every team has to have one of those guys. Every team, one of their safeties has the ability to come up to the line of scrimmage, match up to allow for blitzes or more unique coverages. Darren Woodson is the reason we have that. Darren Woodson revolutionized football, was a great player, and he has the stats and the longevity to back it up 
and I think he truly deserves to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And a comparable player at a position other than safety would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. And now that the safety floodgates are opened, I believe he will get in. Thoughts? All right, here's what I'll say about Darren Woodson. I think he'll get in too. I think he'll get in at the end of the day. However, at the peak of that dynasty, was he one of the five best players on that team? I'd argue On the team, it's difficult because that offense was stacked, especially along that offensive line. That team would have been a three-time champion with or without him, is what i He was the leader of that defense, though. And especially when you're competing against the greatness of those 49ers teams, and you're competing with the, the greatness of those Green Bay teams at the time, I can't say that for sure. There was so much talent in the NFC. I really do think that Woodson pushed them over the top. Scott, I don't like your point that he's not one of the five best players on the team and that's that's against him. You're basically punishing him for having a good team around him. <laughs> that feels like an argument that shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be punishing a guy. I don't think you should treat the, the 1990s Dallas Cowboys like you like the Hall of Fame does the 1960s Packers. I just don't. Because the 1960s Packers have almost 20 guys in the Hall of Fame. And that is ridiculous. I don't want that to happen with another team. I think that many players are in the Hall of Fame just because they were just a dynasty. That was why that many players are in the Hall of Fame, even though maybe five or six of them actually. So then I'll back Dakota up, right? If if we're going to take away the fact that he's on a great team, he's a four-time first-team All-Pro safety. So not only was he great on his own team, he was great in the whole scope of the league. I'm, I'm with Dakota here. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Will he have to wait? For sure. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he should mm-hmm. be a Hall of Famer. I think he has the resume, and I think he's got what it takes to be a Hall of Famer. The question is, will the voters pull the trigger on it? I think he should. And I'm, I'm with Dakota here. I'm mm. going to back Dakota and say he's a Hall of Famer, regardless of Scott's little cowboy tangent and, and not being one of the five best players on the team. I just think someone should be anti- <laughs> Look, not everyone should be a Hall of Famer. Although I think everyone agrees that Brian Scalabrini is a first ballot at Pro Basketball Hall of Famer. Brian Scalabrini is a first ballot life Hall of Famer. 100%. 100% white mamba forever. All right. I'm going to throw it over to Nick for a quick little gauntlet of players from his Yeah, so on the defensive side, we came up with three other guys who are worthy of conversation. Now, two of them, the conversation isn't really about are they a Hall of Famer, but more of are they a first or second ballot Hall of Famer. And we'll start with them. The first one is Earl Thomas. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Earl Thomas's real claim to fame is his role on the Legion of Boom, those Seattle teams, and how great those defenses were. But he's got mm-hmm. the he's got the accolades to back it up. He's a six-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro, mm-hmm. and, and he's an All-Decade team member, one of our favorite things. And to me, he's he's a no-doubt-about-it mm-hmm. Hall of Famer. And I think we, I mean, we just had the discussion about Woodson in the same vein. To me, he's a no-doubt-about-it Hall of Famer. The question is, how long does it take him to be a Hall of Famer? Is he first, second ballot? Does he have to wait five, six years? What are you guys thoughts mm-hmm. on that? I think he's going to have to wait. I think it's partially because he's not the... Uh, he would not be the leader of the Legion of Boom defense. That would be Richard Sherman. Who I also don't think is the first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh. I, I'm... I'm I, I think Richard Sherman's a clear Hall of Famer, but I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's neither here or there for this argument. Earl Thomas, I believe, will have to wait solely because of the the roster headache he's become over the last year. I have that written down, too. I think that will be fresh in voters' minds, and I think they will hold it against him. I think the only counter Mm -hmm. that I have to your point, Scott, is, and this just shows how good that Seattle defense is, I'd argue the most important part on the defense wasn't Sherman 
or Thomas that it was Bobby Wagner. Oh no, I would I would agree with that. I think it's Cam Chancellor. <laughs> See that that's how deep that defense was. Oh. And Earl Thomas arguably mm-hmm. are, again, you can make the argument he's one of the best guys on that defense. That's how good they were. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I think he has to wait a fair amount of time. Yeah, so let me jump in. I will make the argument that he was the best player on that defense. Now, Bobby Wagner is 1B. I'll give you that. I think Earl Thomas was the best player on a legendary defense. And even if you're the second or third best player on a legitimate legendary defense, you deserve to be in and to be in on the first ballot. Now, I don't think the off-field stuff will keep him out. I think what will keep him out is a theme that has been brought up a couple times, and that's positional bias, especially against safeties. When he is up for induction, people will ask themselves, is he even the best safety that can be put in? And the fact that that's a question because there is a backlog of safeties because the Hall of Fame committee has been afraid to put them in might keep him out, but it definitely shouldn't in my opinion. On the off the field stuff, I think the NFL has proven time and time again that it doesn't matter nearly as much as other Hall of Fames. But that's another conversation. All right, yeah. And so the next guy I want to bring up, not in the same vein as Earl Thomas, but in the same discussion of how quick do they get in the Hall of Fame is Luke Keekley. He's a five-time first-team All-Pro, two-time mm-hmm. second-team All-Pro. He's a former Defensive Player of the Year, seven Pro Bowls. He made the Pro Bowl in every season but his rookie year. The issue with the Luke Keekley resume is does the short career and the fact that he retired so young, how much does that impact him and how mm-hmm. much do the voters take into account that his career wasn't long enough? I'll kick it over to you guys. Does the short career of Luke Keekley impact how quickly he gets an Hall of Fame? Because he's no doubt about it all. I'm going to go with no. The only reason I say that is because Calvin Johnson was a first ballot Hall of Famer. To me, Luke Keekley is the linebacker Calvin Johnson, and I'll leave it off there. I think he's going to wait maybe a year or two. I think Luke Keekley was the best linebacker of the, of the decade clearly i think he was i think he was an underrated reason why that carolina team got as far as they did 15 and 1 made it all the way to the super bowl not just cam newton but i think voters will hold against him the fact that they pl- that he only played eight seasons i just even though his peak was so high he has a defensive player of the year throughout his career was even through only an eight-year career he was the best linebacker of the era, but he was he also had to compete with he competed Patrick with Willis. Different era. I'd call that a different okay. era. But during his time he there were two other players who have already who are already first ballot Hall of Famers, but to have three each defensive player of the years and those are jj watt and aaron donald just because he was competing with those guys for defensive player of the years for so long i think that held back him getting those awards and i tend to think they're gonna hold that against him but do you think that do you think that the calvin johnson comparison helps you think that it might not be as big of a deal as it has been historic no i think calvin johnson's a special case because he's a wide receiver and he's more visible it's a little different Mm -hmm. but when I watched Calvin Johnson play, I thought every single time, that's the best wide receiver I've ever seen. He deserves yeah. to be a Hall <laughs> of Famer. I agree. I would go one step further and say that when I watched Calvin Johnson play, I thought that's the most dominant football player I've ever seen, <laughs> but go on. I don't think I ever thought that, that about Luke Keekley. I thought he was a really, really good linebacker who understood the mental side of the game better than I, don't, than I think anyone on the defensive side did, just because he was absolutely, undisputedly the quarterback of that defense his entire 
entire career. He ran that defense that was always good. The Panthers were kind of in a weird situation the entire time he was there. They had the one good, the one great season, but other than that, they were never a what I would call a dominant team. Mm-hmm. But Luke Keekley was undisputedly their best player his entire career. I thought. Even the year Cam, Cam mm-hmm. Newton won the MVP. Yeah, I tend to take the, mm-hmm. I guess, the hybrid of your two answers. I think he gets in on the second try because of what... Yeah, I think I Because agree of, with Scott, that. what you said, and you brought up the good point, is that Calvin Johnson was significantly more visible, we air quote visible, because he's a wide receiver. And I don't think people, I guess people don't understand how valuable linebackers are. And so I think people will look at the accolades and say... He was great. Eight-year career kind of hurts, but he was a linebacker. So not right away, but he'll get mm. in very quickly. So I tend to say he's borderline first ballot, but I think definitely second year he'll mm. get in. And before we move on from Luke Keekley, I do want to say, Scott, that you saying you watched Luke Keekley and thought he was a very, very good linebacker <laughs> is doing him a disservice. Oh, I agree. I agree. I just couldn't find better word. Okay. Because to me, he was clearly great from day one. That is why I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer is that even though he's at a less visible position, you watch him play and you say, people don't play linebacker like this. That's the kind of thing you need when you have a short career like that. The same way that Calvin Johnson played and you said, I've never seen someone play wide receiver like this. Or the same way Barry Sanders played and you said, I've never seen someone play running back like this. Now, Luke Keekley is not to either of those guys' levels, just to be clear. But he is comparable. The fact that you're comparable to those two guys means you're a first ballot Hall of Famer to me easy. All right, we ready to move on to the next guy? Yeah, so the final guy on the defensive side of the ball that I want to bring up, and this one to me is a very interesting discussion, is Ndamuk and Sue. He's a five-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro. Again, one of our favorite things. He was on the All-Decade team. He is now a Super Bowl champion, but he kind of fits into the same thing of, in his prime, you could be, you could consider him a very dominant player, but the question is, how long do you consider that prime, and do you think any of his on-field antics, the whole stomping thing, Thing, spitting, all that. How much does that impact him? And do you think the Dominican Sue is a Hall of Fame player? I think all of his antics on the field added to his legacy. That's what I was going to say, too. Oh, okay. I think it added to the mystique. I think Dominican Sue is a no doubt about it. Oh. And I think it comes down to the eye test. Watching Ndamukong Sue play in his prime, I don't want to say that he was better than Aaron Donald, but I think he was on the same level. <sighs> wow, that's high oh, praise. Oh, that's preposterous. My God. I think he was that good. I think he was the best defensive tackle, at least for the first five years of the decade. I think he's a clear cut hole. I want to make one thing very clear, and it's that this is the person that I think Scott and I disagree on the most. The fact that he's in the same breath as Aaron Donald is preposterous to me. I think, quite frankly, he was the fourth or fifth best defensive tackle in what I would consider his era to me, as I think Geno Atkins was better, and I think Gerald McCoy in his prime was better than Indomitian Sue. I think you have an argument on Atkins. I don't think you have an argument on McCoy. Just for the record, we're not going to talk Cox about him, but I think Geno Atkins is a whole. And Dominican Sue did dominate individual matchups. My problem is that in any given season, if you watch Ndamukong Sue play, he had lapses in play that were clear and apparent. He never would take over two games in a row, right? The way Aaron Donald will legitimately dominate for a month of a season, and you can just sit back and say, 
wow. And Dominican Sue would do that for a few plays every game. I think that gets him into the conversation. But to me, and Dominican Sue is first guy out of the Hall of Fame at defensive tackle type of player. I tend to lean toward Dakota's point. I think uh, for a good couple years of his career, Ndamukong Sue was the great player who never was 100% in. He was always the guy where you were like, man, mm-hmm. what Ndamukong Sue are we getting today? Are we getting dominant force, can wreck an entire game in Ndamukong Sue? Or are we getting the, I'm just going to I'm gonna half-ass it, I'm going to go in, and then we're just going to take a playoff, and then oh, we'll go at it, and then we're going to take another playoff. To me, Ndamukong Sue is one of those like last Last couple years on the ballot, and I think he's very, very close. Mm-hmm. I would not say he's no doubt, but I, I'll give my official answer at the end, but he's, to me, very, very close. All right, so now that we've talked about defensive players... I'm going to throw it over to the special teams side where we're going to talk about a couple guys who made me and Scott and Nick all extremely excited to talk about. I'm going to start us off by talking about one Devin Hester, the greatest special teamer of all time. And in my mind, a no doubt first ballot Hall of Famer as the best special teamer ever. Now, you'd think as a special teamer who on offense was never anything more than average at his peak that someone might not really understand how great they were. Now, Devin Hester made four Pro Bowls, all as a special teamer, and three first-team All-Pros. I believe they were all as kick or punt returns. And he is currently ranked 46th all-time in all-purpose yards. Almost all of those are from kick and punt returns, which is insane, right? In football, there has always been a saying that there are three facets to the game. But the Hall of Fame has consistently and repeatedly disrespected the third facet of the game. And this is the moment where we stand up and we demand Devin Hester gets in. Who's on board? I would argue there's never been a player, a special teamer like Devin Hester, who deserved that kind of consideration. So I wouldn't say it's been disrespected. I would just say there's never been a case like that. Scott started with what I thought okay. he was going to say. And it's that if we're taking the three aspects of the game, no one player has impacted one aspect of the game more than Devin Hester did. I'll put that claim out there. There's not mm-hmm. any defensive player that impacted defense more. There's no offensive player that impacted offense more. Devin Hester is the most impactful player for his sector of the game, we'll call it. His facet of the game. No one's more dominant than Devin Hester. I think he is, no doubt about it, Mm -hmm. Hall of Famer. Will he be first ballot? Probably not. But he should be in the Hall of Fame, no doubt. I agree. I think he's a Hall of Famer. He is the best ever at what he did. One of you two has the numbers. Well, how many return touchdowns did he have in his career? Overall, kickoff and punt. Yeah, Hester's got 14 punt return touchdowns and five kick return touchdowns. And he has one in the playoffs, which was a Super Bowl kickoff return for a touchdown. That was the one I was going to bring up. He has that moment. He has that Hall of Fame moment. He is the only player in NFL history to return the opening kickoff of a Super Bowl for a touchdown. That moment will always be remembered, even though the Bears lost that Super Bowl. But he has 20 career return touchdowns, playoff and regular season. He had six return touchdowns in a single season, which is unheard of. (laughs) Insane. Mm Mm-hmm. He is by far the best at what he's done in the NFL. He is a Hall of Famer. No doubt about it, he's a Hall of Famer. 
Will he get in on his first try? No, because he's a special teamer. The other thing that faces Devin Hester is the guy he's eligible with, he's eligible this upcoming season, he will be on the ballot with, and here are a few of the names, Steve Smith Sr., Demarcus Ware, Anquan Bolden, and Andre Johnson, among the other guys still on the ballot. So he has a massive Mm -hmm. uphill climb in order to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I have no doubts that he will get The only guy I would put him above, to be fair would be Anquan Bolden. But he deserves the accolade. Let's wrap it up, boys. All right, here we go with, I think, one of the, one of, if not, the most interesting players in NFL history. Because he was the Mm -hmm. Swiss Army knife for all the teams that he played for, from the Chargers to the Saints to the Eagles. He was a Swiss Army knife, and that would be the mini hero, Darren Sproles, number 40. Short King, stand up. Darren Sproles is sixth all-time in all-purpose yard. Of the five players ahead of him, Four of them are in the Hall of Fame already. He is 15th highest all-time in rushing yards per carry. He has seven career punt return touchdowns to go with two kickoff return touchdowns. During his first season with the Eagles, he had four punt return touchdowns in a single season. He is a three-time Pro Bowler. He's a two-time first-team All-Pro, all as a returner. But he made the 2010 All-Decade team twice, both as a return man and as an offensive weapon, they felt he was that important as a weapon out of the backfield that gave him a special position in the All-Decade team. So, Dakota, what do you think? Is Darren Sproles a Hall of Fame? I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Darren Sproles is very interesting in that for any one thing that he did, he's not a Hall of Fame. He's kind of the anti-Devin Hester, right? Darren Mm -hmm. Sproles is a Hall of Famer because of the totality of his workload. The fact that he was very, very good at literally everything. I mean, heck, it wouldn't have surprised me if he had some passing touchdowns as well. If he did have some passing touchdowns, I'd say put him in as every offensive position because he is a revolutionary player kind of in the same vein, in the same argument I made for Woodson earlier, where every offense has a Sproles now. I disagree. I disagree on this. I don't think there's ever been a player like Darren Sproles. I don't think there will be another player like Darren Sproles for a long, long time. He was that. No, and I'm not saying every offense has Darren Sproles. What I'm saying is every offense has a Sproles in quotations right? Mm -hmm. Every offense has a guy that they treat like Darren Sproles because they watched Darren Sproles and thought, this guy is revolutionizing how NFL offenses will play in the future. And I think we're still in the time period where NFL offenses are trying to figure that out. I guess I'll be the the Razor Ramon of this discussion. I'll be the bad guy. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. And it comes down to that he was good, not great at everything. And I think he'll get lost in the shuffle. Devin Hester stands out because he's the best return man of all time. Darren Sproles was a very good returner, but not the best. He was a good receiving running back, but not elite. He was a solid running running back, but he was not elite. I think he will get lost in the shuffle. I think that he just doesn't have the stats in all categories. If we're going to take the totality of his career, I just don't think he has all the stats needed to get him in over other guys. And I think he'll get caught in that like bubble area where every year like five or six guys are gonna be better than him and then more guys are gonna get added and more guys and more guys and he'll get lost in the shuffle here's one more statistic that i'll add 
that he holds the NFL record all-time for the most all-purpose yards in a single season. That was during the 2011 season for the New Orleans Saints, in which he had 710 receiving yards, 603 rushing yards, 294 punt return yards, and over 1,000 yards in the kickoff See, I just, game. I don't know, mm-hmm. that's one great season. The problem is that, again, I think he gets lost in the shuffle among voters. Because, again, like, if we're comparing Darren Sproles, because does he go in as a returner, a running back? They're going to compare him to everybody and say, oh, he's not as valuable. Let's take this year's upcoming class. Oh, he's not Steve Smith. He's not DeMarcus Ware. He's not Anquan mm-hmm. Bolden. He's not Andre Johnson. All of a sudden, he starts just moving down the pecking order. Mm-hmm. My, I think he's definitely worthy of the discussion. I think he gets lost in the shuffle, and he ends up missing out. All right, out. just so we're clear, Nick, I'm not asking you whether you think he will get in the Hall of Fame. As a Hall of Fame voter, do you vote for him? I'm still going to say no. I, I don't think he made Ooh. enough of an impact. He, again, he was good at everything, not great at one thing. And I think that, to me, moves him below other guys, and I would not put him in the Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, I say we wrap it up here. Scott, run through, and we're going to submit the votes. I will lead off. So here we go. The Are they a Hall of Famer, yes or no? Eli Manning. No. Yes. Yes. Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. Matt Ryan. Yes. Of course. (laughs) Yes. Matt Ryan is an undisputed Hall of Famer. Philip Rivers. Yes. Stick with the same theme. Yes, Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. Yes. Another unanimous vote. Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. Jason Kelsey. Eventually. Without a doubt, yes. Yes, Jason Kelsey, unanimous Hall of Famer. LaShawn McCoy. Eventually, yes. I'm going to say yes, but I think it's very, very close, and it'll take him a while. And we have three more yeses, another unanimous. LaShawn McCoy, future Hall of Famer. Deshaun Jackson. No. Nope. No, a unanimous no. Deshaun Jackson, sorry. Hall very good. Not a Hall of Famer. 100% agree. Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think in the same vein as LaShawn McCoy, yes, but he'll have to wait. Yes. So we have another unanimous Hall of Famer, Marshawn Lynch. Jimmy Graham. No. No, I think he falls short. And we have a unanimous no, Jimmy Graham, not a Hall of Famer. Darren Woodson. Easy. Yes. I'm right with Dakota. I'm putting him in. I will also vote yes. Darren Woodson Hall of Famer. Because we made special stipulations to these two, so these are, are they first ballot Hall of Famers? Earl Thomas. Yes. First ballot, no. Hall of Fame, yes. I agree with Nick. So we agree that Earl Thomas is not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he will eventually get in. Luke Keekley, first ballot Hall of Famer, yes or no? Yes. I'm going to say no, but he'll be very close. I will say that Luke Keekley is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh. Woo! Surprised you with that vote there. Victory for the home I, I team. made you think I wasn't going to. I was going to say, I was a little change up. Out of the, and everyone in the NFL, Luke Keekley was my favorite player of the old decade who didn't play for the Eagles. First ballot Hall of Famer in my mind. Second best player Dominic to come out of Sue. Boston College. <laughs> and Dominic and Sue, Hall of Famer, yes or no? No. Uh, yes, but very close. I vote yes, clearly. And Dominic and Sue will be a Hall of Famer, according to us. Now we move on to Devin Hester, Hall of Famer, yes or no? Can we just get an easy three yes gauntlet yes. going here? Respect yes on special three. teams. Respect special teams. It's important. Put Everybody, yes, on three. One, two, three. Yes. 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 Oh, good timing. And now to our final player, 
the most interesting player, Darren Sproles, Hall of Famer, yes or no? Gosh, this one's a hard one for me, but I'm going to go yes. No, he's on the outside looking in. It's two to one, yes, Darren Sproles, Hall of Famer. And that is the list wrapped up. Anything else to say, guys? No, I think that was a a good discussion. I think that's it for this episode. I had a good time again, boys. This this one was a lot more thought-provoking from all of us, a lot more engaged discussion as opposed to the, I will call them slightly unrealistic rebuilds of Houston. But yeah, this is a fun one. Yeah, so again... Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to check out the website, basementcloset.productions.com. We have all sorts of content on there. Daily betting content. Don't check the last couple of days. It's a little rough in college basketball. But we're hot everywhere else. So check out the betting content, the WWE content. Dakota has got his other podcast where he's breaking down TV and movies. He's also got an article out. We got all sorts of things coming. We're going to have more on just in general sports on the ball and tab. So don't forget to check out all the other stuff on the site. Follow us on Twitter. Basement Closet 1. Basement Closet 1. Or just search the name in the search bar. We'll come up. Follow us individually on Twitter. Our, at, our handles are in the in general Twitter account. So yeah, just be sure to check us out. Retweet us and make sure to keep following along. Keep listening. Firm handshakes all around.